Hi, I'm Ross Porter, and welcome to Stranded, CDs for a Desert Island. Hands down, my favorite CD of all time would have to be Live at the Village Vanguard by Bill Evans. Well, for sure, Giant Steps by John Coltrane. Joni Mitchell. One would have to be the essential Billy Holiday. Kind of Blue, Sticky Fingers, Beatles, The Who, Todd Rundgren, Keith Jarrett, Oscar Peters, Dave Brubeck, Songs in the Key of Life. If you were marooned on a remote island with no prospect of returning home, which CDs would you want to have to help pass the time? For most music fans, it's a difficult question. But what if you're a musician? Hmm, the prospects could be even more challenging. Our guest this week is Ben Sidron. Now, just who is Ben Sidron? He wrote one of Steve Miller's big hits, Space Cowboy, recorded with the Rolling Stones. He's a Peabody Award-winning broadcaster, produced albums for Van Morrison and Mose Allison, and over the last 40 years, Ben has had a hugely successful career as a jazz pianist and singer. Ben will be here in a moment, but first, here he is with Piano Players. Ben Sidron on Jazz FM 91 and Piano Players from an album that he recorded called On the Live Side. And as promised, Ben Sidron is my guest for this edition of Stranded, Music for a Desert Island. Good to see you, sir. Great to see you, Ross. Pleasure to be stranded here with you. <laughs> um, tell me that, that song, tell me about writing it. Well, um, it was just fun. I started with um, that the, the first verse, uh, they, they play piano, and it went like this. They could swing as sweetly as an angel's kiss. Hearing George Shearing, that was the first time I got running steady with Freddie Red. And it was just fun. And it was a throwaway. And I didn't even think I would ever record it. And I was making, and this was like 1981, I was making a record that came out eventually. It was called uh, Old Songs from the New Depression. And a friend of mine, Michael Cascuna, who's a record producer for Blue Note and various other labels, was in the studio. And he said, hey, man, what about... Because I had played it for him as a goof. And he said, what about that piano player song? I said, ah, oh, nobody's interested in that. He said, no, nah, you should record it. And so we just kind of sat down. I wrote out a chart, and I gave it to the musicians, and we recorded it. And it turned out everybody liked it. I had no idea that people would dig that. How many piano players do you actually mention in the song? Oh, now, there are a lot more now. See, what happened was, uh, I don't know how many years ago, I was playing in Brussels, and I heard this voice behind me say... Play the piano player song. Play the piano player song. And I turned around, it was Michelle Petrucciani. And I, he didn't have to say it, but I was aware that he wasn't in the song, right? And and I, because he was a sneaky guy, I, I had a feeling that basically he was saying, hey, what am I? So I've gone on now. I've, I have even more lyrics. Um, uh, Benny Green, he's on the scene. Larry Golding's something mean. Brad Meldow, he's got all that power. But Dave Hazeltine, he's got my mind all messed up. You guessed up to now. I've been back in the past because I believe somehow there's nothing says loving like a Gene Harris walking blues. Those are some funky shoes. And it goes on. So now there are almost 60 of them. And have you heard every one of them? Have I heard every piano player? Every one of those 60 piano players, have you heard them oh, in, in, on oh, CD or live? Not, not just heard them. Those are my favorites. I mean, there's many others I've heard that uh, I would like to put in the song as well. I, I love these guys. And that solo, 
Yeah. How many styles happen there? That's funny. Yeah. Uh, I I hear three or four anyway. I hear the stride style. I hear this kind of open modal style. I hear a bebop style. Uh, The idea is is an homage. So we're going to listen to uh, some of your Desert Island picks over the, uh, the next hour. Um, let's start off with the, with Ray Charles. Please. Why this piece? Well, um, Ray Charles was really one of my first influences. Uh, when I was like 13 or 14, I heard uh, that early Atlantic record that had uh, what I say on it. And, you know, it just stopped me dead in my tracks. And then later on, when I heard this record, uh, Genius Plus Soul Equals Jazz, uh, and I heard him in the jazz context, I mean, uh, I realized just how great uh, an artist he was. And this particular one, uh, I always loved uh, Joe Williams and Count Basie. I always loved this big band, The Brass, but nobody has pulled it off any better than Ray Charles did in this record. Here's Ray Charles, and this is I've Got News For You on Jazz FM 91. for you. Jazz FM 91 from a 1958 album called Time Waits. And uh, the set started with Ray Charles. And I've got news for you from the Genius Plus Soul album. Both of those desert island picks of uh, our guest today, Ben Sidron. What made Bud a great piano player? Boy, well, you know, he invented the style that everybody... uh, plays today i guess you know by extrapolation you could say everybody comes out of bud powell even people who've never heard bud powell because uh, even somebody like mccoy tyner is an extrapolation somebody like brad maldow is an extrapolation Uh, bud invented this this way of approaching harmonics uh and rhythm uh that defined jazz piano and um at the same time uh he was unstable emotionally. And so the the emotional energy in his playing is so raw that, you know, his technique, he's a brilliant technique, but sometimes you can hear that he's thrown away all his technique to try to achieve an idea. I, I find him so moving as a piano player. And, um, well... Um, I, there's just you know I, I guess you'd say Barry Harris is is close you know to to that style Cedar Walton is close to that style but Bud Powell um, to me is uh, there's a dark there's a darkness to him that somehow speaks to the core of the jazz experience. 
I don't remember your question. I don't know if that answered it. No, but I was actually just thinking about the, the statement that you that you made. Can you flesh that out a bit more? And you talk about the, the, the darkness to the, to the jazz experience. Well, you know, Johnny Griffin uh, once said, you know, jazz is music made by and for people who have chosen to feel good in spite of conditions. And... Uh, I'm th- I think about that a lot these days with so many young people learning jazz in college, in school, and they don't feel that. I mean, jazz is kind of, it's interesting, and it's a technique, and it's a syllabus, and it's a, a teachable approach. But up until very recently, the only way to learn this music uh, was from another practitioner. You had to get into a room with somebody. Uh, you had to follow them. You know, Miles Davis would say, well, it's the way I hold my horn, the way I stand, you know. Um, the the reference to the, the darkness. Well, the reason I say that is because that life is not, that jazz life, the life on the bus. Well, the darkness in Bud Powell's case is that he had some emotional problems. I mean, there was a clinical uh, mm-hmm. explanation as well. But in the jazz life, you know, uh, you don't make money. In that particular life, you're riding on a bus for hours and hours and hours. You're playing a music that people don't credit, except for the few hipsters, as being much of anything. The academics don't don't want you around. The uh, you know the the commercial world doesn't want you around. You're performing basically for the rhythm section, and uh, there's this beauty. There's this tremendous, tremendous wealth of beauty in the music. And the context of devoting your life to this beauty uh, in the midst of this indifference and the hardships, uh, the jazz life is, is really, I mean, Phil Woods refor- refers to musicians as, as warriors. Are you a warrior? Well, I'm a survivor. I don't know if I'm a warrior, but I'm a survivor. Uh, one step in front of the other, you know. Uh, don't don't fall down. That's the secret to to running a hundred miles. It's just don't fall down. Uh, I'm a survivor. I don't know if I'm a warrior because I never had it as hard as those guys had it. And I've, you know, I've used my interest in jazz to kind of. Uh, make life easier for myself by getting involved in radio, getting involved in television, writing, doing, producing various things. And, you know, part of the reason I've done that is is to avoid some of the pain of, of playing the music. Uh, playing the music, I mean, it's... A, <laughs> It's great. It's, if it wasn't fun, nobody would do it. I don't mean to say, you know, the, the jazz thing is like terrible and dark and everything. I mean, all these jazz movies you see with Charlie Parker, The Life of Bird and everything, it's such a, uh, you know, a dark thing. It's not. If it wasn't fun, nobody would do it. It's a lot of fun. But at the same time, I mean, everybody you grew up with is getting mortgages and you can't, you know, get health insurance. It, it's, it's so I wouldn't call myself a warrior. I would just call myself a survivor. My guest is Ben Sidron, and uh, this is a, an edition of Stranded Music for a Desert Island, and we're listening to, uh, to Ben's picks. Next artist is King Pleasure. Well, this is a sacred song, Moody's Mood for Love. You know, everybody knows this. Everybody can sing this. I think every jazz fan, I mean, this should be on the, on the test, on the final exam. Are you a jazz fan? Can you sing this? <laughs> Uh, the, the lyrics were written by Eddie Jefferson, uh, who was uh, 
the uh, guy who he worked in a tavern, he worked in a jazz club for a while, sweeping up the floors before he became a jazz singer. And he wrote these lyrics at that time. He was just starting out. And uh, this guy, King Pleasure, uh, I forget his real name, but it'll come to me, uh, heard it, recorded it, got a hit with it. Uh, and to this day, most people think King Pleasure wrote it. But uh, the, this, this is one of the great lyrics in jazz. Here's King Pleasure on Jazz FM 91. There I go, there I go, there I go, there I go. Pretty baby, you are the soul who snaps my control. Without it, never knowing what love's about. James Wood, you can come on in, man, and you can blow now if you want to. We're through. Beautiful. King Pleasure and Moody's Mood for Love, another pick by my guest, Ben Sidron. For me, when I uh, listen to something like that, it's it's kind of inspiring. It's a, it's a musical compass, if you will. Yeah, sure. How do you, how many years have you been doing this now? Professionally, uh, 40-some. How do you stay fresh? How do you stay inspired? Gets harder. Uh, you have to wake up every morning and and decide you have to care that's ultimately it comes down to that um i think of it as the desire for desire you know there's so much passion in this music and and there's an opportunity for passion in in this life uh and of course all our instincts and all the forces around us are conspiring to drive that out of us and to have us just be uh, interested in convenience you know, it's more convenient if I have a television in every room in my house so that I don't have to go to the room or the, t- you know, eventually this whole uh, system that we're operating in is not about desire. It's not about caring. And, and, you know, caring, just caring about a song, caring about a chord change is related to the highest spiritual goals, I think, because the highest spiritual goals are driven by caring about someone else, caring about the other. This idea of compassion, of we're all here, uh, this caring, you find a little seed of it in a love song. You find a little seed of it in a well-voiced chord. And so staying in touch with that, I think, is the only hope we have. That's the log in the flood. The flood all around us is, is to us, for us to not care. For, in fact, for us to be driven by fear. I find that as time goes on, there's so much fear in, in, in our experience. You know, every day you turn on the news and it's worse and worse and bigger and bigger and the world's going to blow up. Well, you know what? If the world blows up, it would be good if you cared about something at that moment anyway. So You're embracing the music of Bob Dylan and moving him into your repertoire. It's true. What did, uh, how did that do, or what did that do for you in terms of uh, inspiration? Well, the first thing it did... Uh, is it allowed me to uh, express my ad- my admiration uh, for him uh, as a wordsmith. I just love the way he played with language. And the other thing is I got to give back a little bit. You know, it was Bob Dylan and Mose Allison who convinced me that it was okay to write songs and sing them. Because up until that time, you know, you had to be a singer. A singer was Bobby Darin, you know. Bob Dylan made it okay for everything that came after, for rappers, for punk, for everything, because his voice 
let you know it was okay. Now, it turned out, I mean, we all thought that was, he was being authentic. Fact of the matter was, was he was posing. He actually has a very nice voice. A, a very, he can sing melodically. That is a pose. But it's a pose that speaks, it's a lie that tells the truth. And um, so he was very important to me. So in, in, to be able to, to give back something was important. And the other thing it did is it got Ben Sidron out in front of thousands of people who wouldn't have known Ben Sidron because everybody knew Bob Dylan, particularly in Europe. That record did very well. And for the last couple, three years, I've been Ben Sidron plays Dylan different everywhere I went in Europe. There's a live version. And I don't think this was on the studio album, this piece that we're going to uh, play. Oh, what are you going to play? This is uh, The Times They Are Changing. Right. It was, was it on the album? No. no. No, it was not. So this is a live version that you recorded in uh, in Paris. Recorded in Paris with uh, a group of French musicians uh, who recorded this record with me originally, yes. So here's Ben Sidron doing Bob Dylan on Jazz FM 91. <laughs> Merci. Andre Previn. And Like Young from the Grammy-winning album Like Young that came out in 1960. I don't know whether or not I should be listening to uh, to Andre Previn's playing. I know, or, or, David, or that arrangement that David, David Rose. Rose. I know it's just beautiful, and and the whole thing about it, uh, it was such a sophisticated piece of music for its time too. Because back then jazz was kind of in the closet. I mean, they would use a little jazz-like thing in a film or. You know, but to have somebody really playing like Andre was playing in the midst of it, wow! It does have a, 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 a cinematic quality to it, yes. or, or a, a television-like quality. Yes, exactly. I can imagine somebody in a vehicle driving along the Pacific Coast yeah. Highway or something. Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. And um, well, at the time, you know. Um, jazz and strings was very controversial because it it really went back to bird with strings. And you know when you listen to Bird with Strings, it's clear Bird was not comfortable. I mean, he was just blowing on top of this kind of very over-intellectualized stuff. So jazz and strings were not friends. And when this thing came along, it was perfect. It was seamless. Oh, my goodness, there's jazz and strings. And you could say that this is the the mother of all CTI records. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. My guest is Ben Sidron, and uh, this is Stranded, Music for a Desert Island, and we're listening to uh, some of uh, Ben's Desert Island picks. This next artist, Donald Fagan. Oh, <laughs> Donald Fagan. Uh, I don't know. He wouldn't like me to say this, but I think of him as the Harold Arlen of my generation. I mean, he writes narratives. He writes stories that are rooted in the blues. He writes things that are so quirky, only he could write them. You know, Harold Arlen would write songs that had a couple extra bars here and there, but you never even noticed it because the songs were so well put together. And Donald's like that. He'll write songs with 
weird progressions that when you take them apart, you think, what is he doing? But in the song, they make perfect sense. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of, of Donald Fagan. And I know he's obsessive in the studio with the sound and everything, and I'm not. Uh, but the end result is unlike anything. And of course, this song has got this unbelievable Michael Brecker solo in it. It's just this heartbreaking tenor solo in it. And it just happens to be named after my sister, although I don't think Donald knew that. And so I feel very close to the song. And it's from a uh, an essential album tone. Oh, I think so. I think absolutely. The top 100 records ever. Yeah, The Nightfly. And... Uh... Was it 19... When did it come out? 1982? That sounds right. Wow. 30 years. 30 years ago. It was Donald's first solo record uh, out of Steely Dan. Uh, And it it, it really changed a lot because uh, Donald, uh, I think, is more of a jazz guy than Walter Becker. And suddenly here are these hardcore jazz roots. I mean, you heard it in Asia and you heard it uh, in the Steely Dan stuff. But this... Donald's persona, and also his persona as a DJ, somebody who holds your hand late at night, that whole, the cover of the record. I mean, the whole thing about this record is spectacular. And uh, he spent, Mort Figa, I think, was the, yeah, it was the, the inspiration, guy. who was a, a New York DJ, jazz DJ. Mm-hmm. Let's have a listen to it. This is Donald Fagan, and this is Maxine from the album The Night Fly on Jazz FM 91. Sidron and one of my desert island picks, yes I hear uh, New York State of Mind tell me the story about you recording that well you know that was the first recording of that song it, had, it hadn't been recorded before uh, Billy Joel had written it uh, I think he had somebody like Frank Sinatra in mind or Ray Charles I mean that's it was before Piano Man it was before his hit and I was in Los Angeles in the office of uh, Irving Elmo. Uh, was on the lot of the A and M studio. It was a hang. It was just a great hang. We would, Irving Elmo was the, the publishing company. The publishing company of A and M Records, and they published uh, this Billy Joel stuff at the time and this song. We you were signed to somebody. You were signed to Blue Thumb at the time, and was Blue Thumb across the street from A and M? Blue Thumb was in uh, Beverly Hills. Okay, but. There, you know, it started with Tommy LaPuma, who worked at A&M, and Krasnow was across the street, had an office across the street from A&M. I mean, it was a small, small scene and a very hip inside scene in the, in the 70s in the record business in L.A. And so we would hang there. I would hang there. I'd, I'd play on demos. We mentioned James Taylor. I got to play on a demo with James Taylor. You know, it, it was a thrill for me and probably an embarrassment for everybody else. But So anyway, I was in the office, and this publisher, he had a pile of sheet music on, on his desk, and, and they were acetates then of songs. And he's saying, here, try this. Here, what, what about this? 
here's a song, here's an And one of the songs was New York State of Mind. There was the sheet music. And he put on Billy Joel's demo. He was pitching me, of all things, because I, I, I had just signed to uh, Arista at, the, at this time. It was going to be my first record on Arista. And um, so I took, it, I took it home, and I played it, and I kind of liked the song. There are a couple, of, a couple of lyrics I wanted to change. I called him up. I said, can I change the lyrics? He said, yeah, go ahead. Well, today you can't change a Billy Joel lyric. Are you kidding? I mean, Billy Joel is one of the most litigious guys out there. I mean, you do exactly what he says, when he says it, and that's the end of it. But back then, so anyway, I recorded the song, and I heard it as a New York bebop nightclub song. That's how I heard it, and I'm in a New York state of mind. I get Woody Shaw playing the solo. I mean, that's where I'm coming from with this song. And it starts to get a lot of airplay on WRVR in New York, and people think I wrote it. And Billy Joel hears this and he's incensed uh, because people are associating me with New York State of Mind. Well, today, New York State of Mind is an icon. The song has nothing to do with me. But there was a period of time when I owned that song and I was playing at the bitter end and Billy Joel came and he sat right in the front row at the front table with his wife, who at the time uh, was his manager, I don't know, and they were drinking and fighting and squabbling. And I did three sets, and I didn't do the song till the end of the third set. <laughs> and by that time, he was completely out of it and roiling and carrying on. And that's that's my story about New York City. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you recorded it. I think of it as being the uh, the definitive version. Well, thank you very much. And in in a way, I do too. I, I not because I did it, but I think it is a New York nightclub song, and more people should do it that way as opposed to this grandiose production song. We have time for one more Desert Island pick. And uh, this is Miles Davis. Oh. From Seven Steps to Heaven. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It's about sound. It's about Miles' sound. It's about it's about sound. It's not about notes. It's not about hipness. It's not about technique. It's not about how fast you can play. It's not about how you can quote this guy or the other guy. It's about your sound. Um uh, and I was fortunate enough one day to, to be able to ask Miles about his sound and the pretty notes that he plays. And he said, pretty notes? He said, they're just major notes that should be played. I said, but what about your sound, Miles? Nobody can sound like you. He said, sound, your sound. Sound is like your sweat. And uh, I think that says it. I mean, and this is just such a classic example of Miles' sound. And, and it's just heart-stopping how beautiful it is. Ben, thank you. Oh, thank you, Ross. Pleasure. This has been nice. Oh, this has been great. It's been great. You know, uh, every time I get to get in a room with you and a couple of microphones, I'm there. You can count on it. <laughs> thank you. My guest has been Ben Sidron, and we've been listening to his uh, Desert Island picks. Here's Miles Davis, and this is Basin Street on Jazz FM 91. Ben Sidron's Desert Island picks included Ray Charles' Genius Plus Soul equals Jazz, Bud Powell's Time Waits, Moody's Mood by King Pleasure, Andre Previn and David Rose and the Like Young album, 
Donald Fagan's The Nightfly, and Miles Davis's Basin Street Blues. Music that we didn't have a chance to play includes Jimmy Smith's Blues Number no. 1 from the album Six Views of the Blues. John Coltrane, Slow Dance from the album Training In, Cannonball Adderley's Stars Fell on Alabama from the album Cannonball and Coltrane, and Driftin' Blues by Charles Brown. I'm Ross Porter. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Stranded, music for a desert island with Ben Sidron. <laughs>